When I had cancer, it was because I fell out of consciousness and I became a slave to my emotions, my hatred, my anger, my unconsciousness. And that disease was basically bad energy that pooled into tumors and, you know, just about killed the host. The more time you're spending in a state of love, consciousness, giving, and divinity, the purer you are. And the universe rewards that state of gratitude, especially when you learn to love yourself so much that you ask for what you desire and what you deserve, because you have exactly what you deserve right now all the time. That's Mike Canings, and this is episode 289 of Wellness Force Radio. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. You can have the same brain states as someone who's done an hour of meditation every day for 40 years. There's a lot of losses that we go through, so the ability to be able to cope with those losses is very important to build skill in it, because loss will happen. You know, you have to have spiritual courage to really grow spiritually, because if you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. Welcome back to Wellness Force. This is Josh Trent. I got a bomb drop question for you today. To be or to do? This is the question. How many of us deal with this incessant voice in the brain that says we should be doing more all day long? I don't care if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a parent or a working professional, or if you're just like an everyday human that takes deep breaths. I think we all can relate to this universal human struggle right now more than ever. How do I actually earn a living and create a life that I love with a sense of trust that I can be, that I can do, and then I will have all I ever need. And and how do we do that in a sequential order? We have a world-class expert coming on the show to teach us how just to do that. Mike Kanings. He was one of the original people that was a pioneer in the internet space way back when there was CD-ROM. He possibly might be an alien. We talked about this in the podcast. He is a 13 times best-selling author. Think about that. 13 books number one best-selling author, and his clients include Sony, TriStar Pictures, Dave Asprey, Bulletproof, 3M, Domino's Pizza. Mike is just a deeply inspiring human being. I got to meet him at the Upgrade Labs event this year. He's earned well over $50 million online. He's helped people in 121 countries start and build and grow and really reinvent themselves. Now, if you look at the law of reciprocity or the law of attraction, or if you just tap into the dream that most people have, The dream deep down is that I think we all want to get paid to be who we are, not just for what we do. And in the current modern industrialized world, this can be quite the challenge, which is why Mike Canings is coming on the show. Mike speaks from a place of truth where he's multiple times reinvented himself, coming from massive entrepreneurial success to having cancer to pulling his business out of the ground by the roots and replanting it in brand new soil. This man is so tuned in and turned on to business, spirituality, and success. It's a true honor to be able to share his story and his wisdom. This is a true way shower with absolute wisdom for us to learn from today. We talked about energy work. We talked about energy workers and the differences between the two, how he was introduced to a completely new life after a trip to Egypt and befriending Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, and Neil Donald Walsh. We explore this concept of energy depleters. And also while we all have trauma, whether it's epigenetics or self-inflicted, how this shapes us, how we can begin to harness what has happened for us instead of just to us. This is a big differentiator. And we also talked about Mike's overarching concept 
of being versus doing. The core takeaways for all of us to learn how Mike has had success and really his hardest lessons that he's learned along the way so that we can use these lessons as intelligence for our physical and emotional understanding so we can live our life well. While we're here on the planet, it is imperative that we treat the planet with kindness and that we treat ourselves with the same kindness. This is why I treat my body with kindness through amazing sleep. Let's face it, like sleep is my favorite thing to do. I go to sleep with my sleep support through Organifi Gold. This is the number one thing that I do to have quality sleep, bar none, because it has turkey tail and reishi and turmeric, but most importantly, lemon balm. This lemon balm has been shown in research to have the potential to support deeper sleep for people that struggle with insomnia. And as we talk about being versus doing, it's so unbelievably important to get quality sleep. That's where we get the strength to be. You can get better sleep tonight. Do not wait. Give Organifi Gold a test drive. Go to Organifi.com forward slash wellness force. Use the code wellness force to get 20% off this deep sleep enriching and also creamy tasting too. I, I make a almond milk. It's called a golden milk. I do it with the Organifi Gold. It's got these amazing adaptogens that help me sleep better because I just want to be kind to myself. You get to be kind to yourself too. Organifi.com forward slash wellness force. Use the code wellness force for 20% off at checkout. Make sure you go to the show notes today at wellnessforce.com forward slash 289. We have the live video where Mike and I recorded this entire conversation in his studio here in San Diego. So now let's take a deep breath and drop in with the one and only transformational business influencer who has coached some of the biggest names in the entire wellness world for some timeless wisdom right here, right now with Mike Canings on Wellness Force. Josh Trent, Mike Canings in your studio. Thanks for having me, man, on Wellness Force. It's my pleasure. You know, I met you at Dave Asprey's dinner and I was literally just like fascinated. I think you're even wearing that elephant pocket square. Yeah. You it's have- It's either a butterfly or elephant. Yeah, I've got a try to, I've been- I completely reinvented myself. And one of the ways I reprogram my brain and my being is by changing how I dress. Well, I liked your signature energy. You know, I met you with some friends at dinner and I thought I was just fascinated with our conversation. It's not too often that I go to a networking space and I really want to follow up people. You know, typically we all find ourselves like whether you're an entrepreneur or just somebody going out to dinner, you'll want to like hang out with certain people afterwards. You're one of those people. And the more I dove into your work, the more I understood why because we're both aliens. <laughs> we both have this connection to consciousness and spirituality and literally being the person that we're designed to be. You have this concept, being versus doing. I really mm -hmm. wanted to dig into this day. Uh, you took a trip to Egypt at some point in your life. You were there with Tony Robbins. I think Neil Donald Walsh, I'm not sure, but so I know- Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer. Deepak so Chopra, Wayne is, Dyer. It was Tony Robbins that created a connection to make that happen, actually. What, so. what type of man were you in that moment when you were going to Egypt and, and what brought you there in the first place? Well, I think it was the first time I went from being really, really broken to being somewhat not broken would be a good way of putting it. So here's what happened. Um, I grew up in a very small, lower middle class environment, and uh, my dad was a barber. He definitely did for a living. So he did a haircut and got paid. Yep. So, and <clears throat> I grew up in this environment where I always felt like I was born at the wrong place, the wrong time to the wrong family in the wrong part of the world, and I hated being a kid. My life really began when I was 18 and I left home. And I started working the day I turned 16 full time. And I was always hustling to find an exit. And 
what happened, and I'll get to the answer the question, but sure. the bottom line was I taught myself how to program when I was 14 because I wasn't good at school. I wasn't good at sports. Computer I programming. Yeah, I had the attention span of a bag of gnats. Um, and I guess I knew that was my way out. So if you fast forward a bit, I had started a business called Digital Cafe, a digital marketing agency. We were failing horribly. I, at one point, was about $250,000 in debt. I was paying my employees with credit card checks. Mm. Um, miserable. I was also married to my high school sweetheart, and the, the marriage fell apart. Suddenly, I'm broke, divorced. My business is a failure, uh, even though we had high-visibility clients. And I watched a friend of mine go to a Tony Robbins event, and his life was absolutely transformed in a short, short period of time. And I said, next time I see... Tony Robbins, that infomercial, I'm going to buy his stuff. What year was this? 96. 96. This is VHS style. Yeah. So I, it was literally watching an infomercial and I responded to an infomercial and I bought it, which Uh really defines a lot of what I ended up doing in my next iteration of life. But when I got Tony's stuff, I went to an event and of course I got introduced to Power Talk. You get a couple of these cassettes that you pop in and he interviewed really interesting people like Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer. So I started following Deepak and Wayne and I went through a spiritual rebirth. I started practicing Kundalini yoga and meditating. I became a vegan. I quit drinking. I lost a bunch of weight. I mean, everything elevated Mm. and I genuinely felt like I was vibrating at a different frequency and I went to something called the Whole Life Expo. It was one of these live event places where they get a bunch of what I call fuzzy bunnies, feathers and crystals type of people together. Lots of white robes and like hanging big rocks from people's necks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole the whole uh-huh. deal. Every cliche you can imagine was there. <laughs> and what happened next is I saw someone promoting an event with Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, to Egypt. And by then, what I didn't, uh, say is after being introduced to Tony about a year later, my life had turned around. Uh, the business was being acquired by a billion dollar ad agency. Mm. I, uh, became financially solvent, found some love. I mean, everything started turning positively, but I ended up going to Egypt, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra. It was amazing. And I was around what I would consider high frequency aliens. Yeah. Yeah. And Tony Robbins is definitely an alien. Oh yeah. Let's just throw that out. No, no, he's, 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 he's a, he's a super fascinating guy. Uh And in this particular instance, one of the great experiences, and I, there's an, Oh, by the way, which I started playing didgeridoo also. So I was doing a lot of breath work. I could tuve and sing and do circular breathing and all that kind of stuff. So, and I did a, you know, I just really got into it. So at one point, Deepak got us into the great pyramid And we got to go into the center of the Great Pyramid where the Great Sarcophagus was, where they buried the big uh, uh, emperor. I don't remember which one. Yeah. Whoever was in the big... He has a long name, whoever he was. Yeah, yeah. Tutankhamen. I don't know. I don't think it was Tutankhamen. He had a different different one. That's why I can't remember. But in that room, it turned out to have a very crazy resonant frequency because I could chord my voice at that point. I was laying in the great sarcophagus in the center of the big pyramid, which some people consider to be energetically one of the most powerful energy vortices on the planet. More than Sedona. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is like, 
This is why they built where they built, yeah. right? And I courted, and I was like, blah, and the whole room shook, and there were like 60 other people in there, including Dyer and his wife at the time, and everyone chanted in, and we like hit this frequency. I had the ex- the experience, like the physical and spiritual experience of a true out-of-body slash, like an energetic flash. I had a physical equivalent of an orgasm. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. amazing, and I just like suddenly was sweating and and I like almost passed out, came to and people pulled me out of the sarcophagus. I had no strength left. And um, I remember walking out of there and it was scary but profound. Sure. And I think at that point I was like, holy cow, I really hit this different space. And um, you know, if you fast forward a year later, I met someone who invited me to travel on a very similar spiritual archaeological archetypal journey to Greece. And it was there that I met my wife who almost went to Egypt the year before and she used to work for Deepak. Wow. And used to run his event business. And the other person on the trip that I met was a woman named Arielle Ford whose sister was Debbie Ford, a very, very famous spiritual guru who had been on Oprah, et cetera, et cetera. But Ariel was the number one publicist for 11 New York Times, number one best-selling authors, including Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, Neil Donald Walsh, worked with Jack Cadenfield, Louise Hay, Don Miguel Ruiz. I mean, all the great original I'll say, you know, kind of like spiritual folks. And she and I ended up starting a business together after I got married to Vivian and we moved to San Diego and, yeah, you know, the whole thing just wow. evolved from there. Thank you, because so. I'm sitting in your home, this incredible studio you have here in your home and, and Vivian's name is here on the wall, yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah, and, and she's I think my about, queen. I think about the way that we all want to do less. Everybody wants to do less. I mean, look, I'm an entrepreneur, like I'm in the grind and the hustle all the time, but I also schedule in the non-doing, the being. And it's interesting that you went with Tony Robbins of all people to Egypt, because he said, Mike is an extraordinary man. It wasn't Tony. Oh, it wasn't Tony. It was not Tony. It was Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra. Yeah, yeah. So then, but what's interesting though- But I got introduced to him from Tony. Well, you kind of got his resonance there in a way. Uh, So he said about you, this is Tony Robbins about you. He's brought me insights on how to reach people on the internet are so valuable. This is a man you should deal with. Take advantage of what he has to offer. That was actually old from your YouTube. Have things changed since then for you? Uh, Well, so I'll give you again a couple little nuggets Mm -hmm. and then I'll answer the question. Yeah. So after moving to San Diego, the first person I called was a guy named Chris Hendrickson, who was the guy who answered the phone when I called from an infomercial and ordered Tony Robbins Power Talk, okay? Or uh, personal power, personal power. And the first person I called when I moved to San Diego was Chris Hendrickson, who was my account rep at Tony Robbins. His wife is Pam Hendrickson, who worked for Tony for almost 20 years and produced most of his products. So as we evolved and, and our relationship evolved, eventually one day, Pam called me up and said, Tony really needs some help marketing online. Would you meet with him? I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, absolutely not. Sure. And what ended up happening is I helped set up his first home studio, his video studio, then introduced him to Frank Kern, Jeff Walker, Russell Brunson, Brendan Burchard. Uh, that later led to Marie Forleo and uh, um, a whole bunch of other online marketers, Dean Jackson, uh, Dean Graciosi, uh, and that 
ended up evolving into a relationship he had with Joe Polish. I mean, a lot of online marketing pioneers, some mm -hmm. of the originals. And we helped him with a product launch, helped create a product called Money Masters, which was the equivalent of Power Talk, but with online marketers. In a lot of ways, I would say Tony was the guy who legitimized that online marketing space. But if you fast forward about 15 years after, for me, building and selling a number of businesses, I reached a point where I hated everything, just felt wrong. It hates the wrong word. I felt... You felt misaligned in a way. Completely misaligned. Yeah. And I had realized later on, the way I'd describe it is my soul hurt. Mm. And I had outgrown who I was, what I did, why I did it, who I did it for, and went on another journey. And that was just about two years ago. What kind or, of journey did you go on? Well, I, I will tell you that like, I had no excuse to feel the way I felt and I, I was depressed. I had anxiety. I felt like I was a failure. I mean, stuff that wasn't real, right? But I, my body felt that way. My brain felt that way. I didn't want to get out of bed. And I felt trapped because, you know, the world that I lived in, which was marketing and events and just go, 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 go. And social media was the source of, I mean. It, it seemed I, like it was about creation and production. It the whole thing. It was doing, 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 and my soul hurt. I had outgrown everything, but it was like, this is what I know, right? I've yeah. been practicing marketing and doing this stuff for almost 30 years now. Mm, how many people can relate to this? Like doing something for so long and one day waking up and being like, nope. I'm done. This isn't me anymore. Yeah. So I had to escape and there wasn't, I didn't think there was an elegant way to do that, but mm. fortunately, with I reached out for support and help. I have my amazing wife, my son, uh, but it it got so bad. Like I can tell you, I don't have the courage to kill myself, but I wanted a truck to run into me and just take me out. And again, I have no excuse, right? Yep. It was like, but something was wrong. Um, I think to some degree it was hormonal, but you know, I like I I wasn't drinking. I started working out like mad. I put my body first, but then really worked on becoming whole and present, focusing 100% of my family energy, cleaning out and, and eliminating old traumas that were my driving force, which yeah. is a fear of not, not being enough, not having enough running out I mean, primitive stuff. Yeah, all of us deal with trauma at some level. You, totally. you mentioned this on your podcast with Dan Sullivan, which we'll link in the show notes. One of the coolest episodes I've ever heard. And, and it blew me away because this kind of pendulum of trauma that we all have, sometimes the trauma swings really hard at certain points in our life. I've dealt with this too. I'm 39. I've done a lot of trauma work. But mm -hmm. one thing you mentioned about trauma is that we all have it. It's epigenetics. It's from other people. It's maybe self-imposed. But identifying which one it's from, does that even matter? Or does really just the work digging out the trauma, the one that transcends us? Well, I think the, at the end of the day, what I've, I believe to be true is, you know, we really are a union of uh, flesh and spirit, right? We're spirits in the material world. I happen to believe that there's a high probability we're like alien consciousness inhabiting. <laughs> this is what brought me to your house, dude. Uh, yeah. An intelligent doggy for a period of time, 85 right. years. That is a sacred 
um, you know, we are in fact resembling our creator. We are constantly evolving and the universe is forcing evolution all the time. I also believe that on a continuum, on a time basis, we uh, exist as because we get to inhabit flesh for 85 years or however long we last. It's going to be 120 with the longevity stuff that's out there. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, and all that is just an illusion. Okay. Mm. All this trauma, it's a matter of identifying and realizing. This is one thing I really learned when I had cancer, for example. I became a non judgmental observer of my flesh. Okay. I got to exist outside and look at this body but no, my body wasn't me, and um, only feel compassion, empathy, and love for the flesh. And also know that I was a timeless being that was given the gift of experiencing time, sexuality, polarity, the ability to create, and um, love, and, and know that, um, and have an identity, an ego. Okay, but once we're released from our flesh being and we go back, I think souls are recycled. You know, it's uh, mm. it, it just makes logical sense. If, if the universe is a fractal upon itself and um, our bodies are, you know, these this is a collection of matter and energy that's bound together, um, it just makes sense that our souls would be too. They are eternal. Mike, how much of the epigenetic component? Can you honestly say it was yours or was this something where this was from other people that the trauma clearing was connected to? Yeah. So I think one of the things, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit. We're self-identified aliens and the people yeah. we've, we uh, are aligned we're to, we resonate with. Body. Right. I think it would, again, make logical sense that to answer your question, we take on, if you're a sensitive, which would mean you're you, you you recognize yourself we're all sensitive all humans are yeah. but we shut it off to turn off trauma and fear and and whatever else that we prevent when you're a slave to your trauma that's when it has control over you and the secret to letting go which uh, is a great book by the way that Dawkins. Richard Dawkins book yeah is to recognize the emotion and know it is not you. It is something that you allow to pass through through you. And if it you allow the meat hooks to grip, that's when this stuff accumulates and you've got traumas which are just repurposed circular, they're like cyclones of fixed emotion that's wedged in you. It's like getting hooked with a fish hook in your flesh and it doesn't get out until you learn to clip it or just observe and let it pass through you, mm. right? So... Is it going to hook you or not? Yeah. The epigenetic component, I think, is real because I think about my grandfather and my mom's side, both of them coming Absolutely. over to Ellis Island and poverty consciousness. My grandma used to put mayonnaise in a little tiny uh, beaker, the smallest Tupperware you could ever imagine, yet she had a million dollars in the bank. So we all go through these almost like complete and utter negative paradoxes in our lives. And I think about how many people are watching and listening that like are in a current position in life where they know it's not theirs. But how do they actually develop like the gut strength, the heart strength to move through it? Because look, people have responsibilities, man. You have a family. Yeah. For people yeah. that have those external responsibilities, what's the gut check moment for them? How do they go, how do they move forward in that space? I think the the real secret is it's mastery of the union of the flesh. Meaning, the first step is 
you've got to exercise because that is the the best way to create a union between your flesh and your spirit and push it and sweat it out and also get your your biome functioning because the other yeah. part of this is as we are just collections of a lot of trillions of cells and little intelligent particles and bacteria, mm-hmm. all of which are eating stuff and feeding the, the flesh body. Um, we know the, so much more about the biome now, but yet so little. And I have a friend who's working with a, a research organization now studying the biome of the ocean, the biome of the earth, and the biome of the body and the relationship between all of it. So again, we are all an organism. There is no separation from this energetically or physically. So getting back to the DNA and the epigenetics, what we know about DNA now is that trauma is in fact passed on multi-generationally through DNA. It makes sense. You know, if you're a monkey scared of a tiger and you climb up a tree, that terror, that fear should be encoded. It's going to help you survive. Yeah. Unfortunately, our emotions have not been we haven't educated ourselves as human beings about our emotions to the extent that we have science and technology right now. And it takes a long time to train the animal body, the spirit body, right? Mm-hmm. And and connect those two. It's just, yeah. you know, a unified, holistic, psychological and emotional education is weak. And the stuff right now that is taught in schools, for example, STEM, for example, it's like... Our educational systems, all of our institutions are broken, obsolete. They're all They're a good two decades behind on everything, which is why everything's being completely ripped apart. Education, medical system, transportation, our economic system, everything we used to trust and beholden, we're beholden to, is broken now. It's not evolving fast enough. And so we are entering a moment. I, I The way I describe it is, we are human beings, and we have an opportunity right now to evolve into super beings. And that is the next state in, in human evolution. Do you want to work with and support super beings that want to support other super beings? Yeah, that's, that's why I chose, now that I've, I've gone through the latest evolution, I'm working, I'm writing two books simultaneously about super beingness. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, as I've been using that, that word, it's been attracting people who are like, yeah, that's what I want. Yep. You know, what's you know, the sense, this feeling of, uh, again, outgrowing who you are. I think it's a sign of the times and it's something we all go through. There was an amazingly interesting article just published in Atlantic um, on the topic. I have it here somewhere. Here it is. It's called Soon- Your Professional Decline is Coming Much Sooner Than You Think by mm-hmm. a guy named Arthur Brooks good friend of mine uh, just sent it to me. And it's about how our brains decline in terms of our neuroplasticity and our ability to um, evolve over time. And how instead of fearing it and hating it, to embrace it because you're just evolving into a different state. But those who are miserable, who get suicidal, are gripping onto the way things were. And... You know, there's something, there, it's it's normal to evolve, yep. and it's normal to accept this, um, but it's hard. Well, the learning curve is a bitch. It's, I mean, let's, let's be honest, like 1% or less of our brains, of our hominid brains, 
have grown past the swerve of human evolution and technological evolution. I think like five years ago, Moore's Law just went like a hockey stick. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's even before five years ago. Mm -hmm. So we're all trying to make sense of this rapid pace of change. And actually, you know what's interesting? I was I was reading Sandra Biskind's book called Code Breaker. I don't know okay. if you heard of her. And you brought up something where we're in this new phase where your old occupation, your old identity, your old anything is moving away faster. It's almost like sand flowing through an hourglass. And she talked about we're in this fourth phase as well, where we're understanding that we're in this age of spirituality in a different dimension. Yeah. How would you describe that? Like, what does spirituality in that dimension even mean for you as an alien who works with super beans? Well, the way I uh, I pose it is, uh, again, if you look at this on a meta level and also when you think about on a quantum level, what I think science is proving and our spiritual intuition has told us forever, anyone who goes through multiple reinventions or spiritual incarnations mm-hmm. is that... Right now, I look at this moment in human history where we are we have an extremely low-frequency government and government leaders, okay? One in particular. And, and I think the United States of America got exactly who and what it deserved with the current president through complacency, ignorance, stupidity, and uh, he's a spiritual embodiment and reflection of low-frequency-ism. Yeah. And it's also uh, emblematic or, or uh, a spiritual representative of the fear in us as a body. And also the slower to evolve spiritually, gripping onto an old paradigm that no longer serves humanity. Was that paradigm the fear paradigm? What is that paradigm they're gripping to? I think this fear, anger, hatred bullyism, you know, you look at what social media at its worst represents, mm-hmm. okay, which is in general a giant toilet. I hope this <laughs> a narcissistic toilet. It's it's the worst of the worst. Yeah. I, I'm 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 what I'm about to say could be misinterpreted. I don't believe everyone has a right to vote, meaning it should be earned, especially online. Mm-hmm. I think if you have bad behavior your ability to vote should be taken away from you. You know, people who are ignorant and stupid and 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 perpetuate ignorance upon themselves or others. I don't I they don't I don't I'm not interested in their opinions at all because okay? of the frequency they bring. The, the low frequency, yeah. right? And and again, this doesn't come from an elitist point of view. It's sort of like you know, you go in in San Francisco for example, is filled with a behavior. Um, there's poop and pee and pot and, and hypodermic know, needles all over the it's city. It's crazy. It's filthy. It's disgusting. I was just there. I was like, what is going on? This is one of the coolest cities. And this cities. is what happens when those who... And, I, and look, I believe we have a responsibility to all of humanity. Okay, My wife and I, we've been working. We do an enormous amount of of work, meaning, you know, she's had a foundation for 13 years. We've raised a lot of money for those who have nothing, okay? I believe we have a responsibility, and there is a point at which you've got to clean up the filth. When you become a menace to yourself and society, 
yeah, I don't know. You could go down the. This isn't. This, this is a deep rabbit useful. hole. It, it is a deep rabbit hole. But, but, but the, pinging but back the net, to the question of back, the, the paradigm. These yeah. people. Is it a fear paradigm? Is it a, what kind of a paradigm is it? I here's the way I liken it. I told uh, Dan about this not long ago. If you imagine for a moment, you've got low frequency orc energy. If you look at uh, Lord of the Rings, for example. I fell asleep, man. Don't judge me. Okay, no, it's no okay. problem at all. I'm sure people watching have seen it. A- a- anyone knows when you're around someone who's a low frequency angry person who's just like. And then you meet like fairy energy, high frequency, Mm -hmm. ultra high frequency. You're like, oh, how refreshing, how lovely. Mm. Ah, you can just smell, Uh you know, everything Uh about them is, is, is uplifting. I think humanity has an opportunity. In fact, I, I'm always a perpetual optimist that this old low frequency um, energy that we are living in right now is you know, we'll always have bad stuff around us. It's just the nature of existing in this plane. Yeah. But I also have an enormous amount of uh, belief that we are accelerating and we are evolving and, and we have more opportunities now than ever before to not only raise our consciousness, our energy, and do great things with enormous leverage and I don't think there's anything to fear of the future, despite the fact that, again, all of our institutions are suddenly obsolete. There's a great opportunity. Like my son who's 16, I have an enormous amount of faith uh, and hope in that generation who sees the disturbances and will not stand for it. Yeah. Now, I also fear a generation that's their augmented reality of living inside their phone yeah, they is a the, massive danger. The chips covering their eyes. And I've even heard Gary Vaynerchuk say, people are not want, want to come out. They just want to stay kind of locked in that world, almost like Black Mirror with the chip on the yeah, forehead. Yeah. So that that is a possible reality. Yet yeah. I love putting my attention. I'm like you. I want to put my attention on the high frequency mm-hmm. because that's what drives me in life. That's what makes me feel like I want to do whatever the hell it is I'm doing. It's almost like we have a frequency garden and we're tending to the garden. What it is. How do you tend to your garden, man? Like, how do you stay? I mean, you're, you're in a world where there's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of people that want your time, your energy, your mojo. Like, mm-hmm. what's the health look like for you tending to the frequency garden? Yeah. Well, here's what I did. I uh, Part of the separation from the, the before was uh, I created a very, very intentional plan and I got rid of everything in between. So everything's a hell yeah or a hell no. So now I have free and ultra high end. So from a, a lifestyle perspective, over the time of during this cleanse, I will say, the spiritual and physical cleanse, I quit drinking alcohol for eight months and got myself in the best physical shape of my life and focused on primary relationships, meaning my marriage, my relationship with my son, immediate family, closest friends. I basically cut myself off from almost everyone. I shut off all social media. Mm. I had some people monitoring it and doing stuff for me, but I wasn't there. So got rid of all that noise, turned off all forms of media that I did not find uplifting and wasted no time and spent it instead in nature and in my body. So as I would, and I consider that a spiritual exercise, spent a lot of time in the ocean um, so touching the earth with my feet and my hands. So I didn't wear shoes, for example, and I worked out really hard a couple times a day. So I made that prayer 
for all practical purposes. And yeah. I, uh, the way I imagined it is with every step, so I'd run out in the ocean every day, a couple times a day, the resistance of the waves. And I imagined that being a prayer, giving glory to God. And I said, this is my purpose. I am here to elevate and give glory to the creator. And then I would extend that into the rest of my life. And I'd ask myself, is this giving glory? Is this elevating? And then instead of going broad and wide, which I'd trained myself to do for so many years and helped other people do, I decided to go narrow and deep. So I started mm. working only with a few high-level clients who I felt deep energetic connection with. When you made that shift, was there fear of finance? Like, oh my God, did a monkey mind pop up that was like, oh my God, I'm only going to work with high caliber people. What about the medium tier? What about, what about, what about, yeah. what about? Oh yeah. How'd you deal with the monkey mind? I uh, learned to observe it and not let it control me. So historically, someone said something years ago that I hated and I, and I loved at the same time. They said something along the lines of, Mike never met a dollar he didn't like. And they meant it in a positive way, meaning Mike is really good at creating marketing plans that attract a lot of people and generate money. And now here's the, the truth, um, my truth anyway, and this is due to my own limitations and my own ego, but I'm not good at hiring people, managing people, and I don't like doing either, either of them. I'm much more of an isolationist soloist, but having teams were necessary and they always spun out of control because I was such a hideous manager. Um, <laughs> That's think, great self-awareness. Uh, and, and at the time, and I knew it and it just, but it was always a battle. And, and I've chosen and managed badly many, many, many times. And it's cost me literally out of pocket millions and millions and millions of dollars. Not that the money is important, but again, energetically, it was a gigantic leak. Think of it like that. Yep. Right? And with that, the emotional leak that went along with the energetic leak and the financial leak, it was all one and the same. So what I did is I, I cut everything down to the bare, bare bones, sold my studio, sold everything, the business. Um, and uh, I gave my team time. I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to wind everything down. I kept my executive assistant and one support person. Otherwise, everyone's contract from, you know, at time, it, my teams could expand to be 50 people at times. And with that, I bought so much time and also got really focused, saved like crazy and you know, my wife and I have saved over time, so I didn't have to work for a chunk of time. Mm -hmm. But I just set up really specific goals that were attainable. And any time I felt, here's what I really did, is I just would stop and not think and feel. Anytime an opportunity came along, and if it felt like it was pecking at me, I just said, it has to be a no. And I just stopped doing stuff. And instead, I started being all the time, which meant I would show up, give myself energetically. And if it felt like it was going to nag or peck, I just stopped. This and I is didn't power. Do it. This is so powerful. And it can bring up such a fear response in people because <sighs> I think all of us in our gut, like we want to be in the being, but yet current responsibilities in monkey mind, we have to do, we have to do. Yeah. So it is, it is terrifying. It's terrifying. But you have to practice 
feeling it and realizing think here's the way I would frame it when I talk to other people because I you know a lot of people have said teach me how to do this teach me how to be yeah tell me in how to my be. business Let's da, do. Da, 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 da. and and the first thing is learning to observe I mean there's all kinds of little things but I'd ask them the simple question when's the last time you genuinely went hungry and you were and you went without for most people, it'd be a long time. I just oh, did a two-day fast. Well, yeah, yeah. Like two, two that was by ago. choice. I'm talking about not by choice. Right, not like by choice. Like, you literally had nothing. I would say that's a fraction of a percent of people. Totally. Yeah. And it's like, nothing bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And more than likely, the last time that happened, it may have left in a huge impression, a lot of terror. Again, I had stacks, decades of horrible financial things of, of like literally where in the hell is payroll going to come from? Holy shit. I'm tapping into uh, the family jewel, you know, the family nest egg and the jewels. And, and I got so stuck in the future thinking, Holy, what's going to happen three months from now, six months from now, a month from now, a week from now, whatever the, the timeline is, we all have a timeline of where a fear kicks in. Okay. And it could be five minutes from now, five days, five weeks, five years, whatever it is. But this is why you hear about multi-billionaires who are absolutely miserable. It's because they live in the terror of yesterday. They live in the trauma of yesterday. Instead of resetting and realizing that that terror, that trauma served you, it helped you become who you are and all of your successes. And to acknowledge that dear soul and that trauma and thank it for giving you who you've become, and also welcoming yourself to the first day of the rest of your life, the first moment, the first minute of the rest of your day right now, and that is irrelevant. That attachment no longer serves who you wish to become and who you wish to serve. It's as if you're becoming friends with the trauma. There's a friendship instead of an anger or a resentment. Interesting. I would think more of it as an acknowledgement. I don't want to be friends with my trauma. Mm -hmm. F it. Mm-hmm. It, it it did what it did. I, I have no need or desire to ever be attached to it or revisit it. Well, because it you said in some serve. way that it served you in the past. It doesn't serve us now, yeah, for yeah. sure. So I we let know it that. go. But I don't want to be friends with it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be friends with a repeat sex offender, for example. Yeah, that's true. There's a historical precedent yeah. for that behavior. I have no need for it. So then, I'm happy to donate to a charity yes. that serves that cause. All right, then. Are we actually just living <laughs> in a video game, possibly holographic simulation, where these traumas and these things come up? Even the language that you and I have used today. Uh, Even just me coming to your home and speaking to people through a microphone that goes to outer space and down back to the earth. Where exactly are we? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, what is this, man? So, What's this all about? I'm, I'm working on a TED Talk right now on this specific thing. And... Um, I don't know if I can articulate what's going on inside my brain. So I'm going to do a much better job with that in about two weeks after I finish writing the speech. But, uh, you know, Elon Musk gets asked this question all the time, like Joe Rogan does in his podcast. There's always a conversation about it and, and also physicists. So here's what I would entertain as a mental exercise, okay? So it doesn't mean it needs to be true. It doesn't mean I necessarily believe it, but it's it's fun mental masturbation, Yeah. okay? Which is, let's pretend that everything is happening simultaneously forever, all at the same time, every infinite possibility that could occur, okay? So if you imagine from this moment, you could get up and run away, you could get up and 
do something horrible. You yes. could get up and what, whatever, whatever. All those possibilities, if you believe in such a thing as free will. And again, imagine that there is no beginning, there is no end. I believe that the universe is in fact eternal. There's, it's just always been. And I do believe in a universal consciousness. Let's call it God. Yep. Okay. And I also love the notion that and man was created in God's image. Um, so we have a godlike identity and an image, and the nature of God, the nature of man and woman is to constantly evolve, to love, to procreate, to experience an identity. Again, to give glory to God, to give glory to your creator is to become self-realized. Do you feel like you're an individuated fractal of God or universe yeah, yeah. itself, experiencing itself through Precisely. you? Precisely. And so this notion of the universe or this being a, a fractal or being a hologram, it's like, of course this is a simulation. Look, you've got five senses. That's all you have. Yeah. Now the question is, is this a man-made creation? And what mm. I would argue is we are created in God's image. I believe we have and are God within us, okay? We are, in fact, creators. That is what the experience of flesh is about. To become fully realized is to realize we are divine. We are a divine fragment or a shard that happens to have an identity, not all identities as the creator does. And so... Whether or not this is a man-made. So I think what we're on the road to do right now, if you look at it on a spectrum, there's a bunch of stuff online about orangutans who are fishing and using spears and a bunch of monkeys who are starting to use tools. They're just observing some new behaviors where they've learned from man or they learn amongst themselves, but it's advancing within lifetimes right now. Mm -hmm. I think the nature of all of the animal kingdom is to continue to evolve. Okay, And I think... Again, whether or not God, creator, created man all at once, Adam and Eve, boop, here you go. Or, you know, beings evolved into man. Yeah. I think that's an irrelevant conversation. Not important, not interesting, hmm. completely unimportant. What I do believe is that what man is doing right now is we're creating robots. We're, we're going to get to the point where it's Blade Runner. It's going to be, we're going to be creating men and women and new beings, just as we are resurrecting dinosaurs, we're creating universes within computers. And I just met with a gentleman who's developed an artificial retina last week, okay? The retina can see, so in other words, you'll have a chip embedded in an eye that doesn't work anymore to replace the rods and cones. It provides 2015 vision. Wow. Okay? That's like profound. It's a breakthrough. Better than our eyes. With uh, now, there's there's drawbacks because you have to wear goggles. Does it this has to scare be you? Does this frighten you at all? Not at all. I think it's natural and normal. Yeah. There's nothing to fear because we are divine. Now, at this moment in history, we've got abusers. We have bullies amongst us. But I think as a society, you know, one of the things that social media is conditioning us is it's like being a total a hole online. There are going to be tools that are going to stop that behavior. You will be banished from having a voice. When blockchain occurs, okay, and let's just pretend for a moment that blockchain is actually representative of 
uh, stuff we manufacture and make as human beings, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we are in fact recreating nature as many gods, and it's holy work. It's divine. It's divine work. We're giving glory to God. That's the way I see it. So it makes sense that in a short period of time, we're going to have a little filter, and all of our behaviors might be running through a blockchain. We'll be like, oh my God, that's scary. Yep, it's going to be scary for a little while because some jerks are going to abuse it. It always happens. But once it kind of figures itself out and it normalizes itself, it's going to be okay. It's going to be as normal as using email or what faxes were not that long ago or mail. You know, people probably thought books were the devil Mm -hmm. not that long ago, okay? All technology is going to look like the devil. So we're going to have to evolve past our fear and past the abusers abusing the tools, but as it normalizes, what I believe is going to happen, and we've seen this in, was it Black Mirror before, where sure. you can decide to just shut someone off, okay? So some, someone who's a big a-hole, let's just say you turn on the Trump filter, nothing associated with that thing will show up. You, can't, you won't hear it. You won't see it. It will simply not exist. Yeah, but the only challenge is we're all sharing the same reality. Yeah, of course. So how do we deal with that when you delete someone? Yeah, and- and that's an interesting question, right? <laughs> yeah. um, the truth is you can choose through force of mind and discipline. Mm. I mean, you could choose to leave your phone behind. And if you had the discipline and foresight to invest in some property or land and spend 10 or 20 years working hard to cut yourself off and live on Golden Pond, okay? Now, someone will say, oh, there aren't any of those. There's plenty of space, okay? There's lots of ways to isolate yourself if you choose to have the discipline. Yes. Okay? So whose lie, whose reality do you decide to buy into through ignorance or through choice and decision? And what I would argue is you have the ability to filter out anything through strength and will and discipline at any time and choose only to filter and see that which is pure and divine and whole. Mm. That just made me take a deep breath, man, because it hit me in such a truthful part of my body. I think about breath work. You mentioned breath work when you were there in the pyramid with the resonance, you passed out. I feel like breath work, plant medicine, altered states of consciousness. A lot of people in our circles are heavily diving into this. There's a mastermind coming up at Rhythmia this year about it. These tools, these ancient tools that were brought here by the same Mm -hmm. divinity that created you and I. I feel like we're all kind of waking up Here's, to the ancient times, to the ancient healings. Dave's on the show talking about bacteria mm-hmm. in our bodies actually controlling everything. Yeah. So yeah, mycelium. What's, what's Look at going on here with the ancient tools that we're all waking up to right now? And to question, what are we going to do with that to make this reality a place of love, a place of connection? So here's what I believe is happening, which is part of the acceleration towards super beingness. So there are an amazing number of physicists who have crossed over the spiritual realm. And let's just face it, those who have done plant medicine, so whether it's ayahuasca or the immense amount of work in psilocybin, which right now psilocybin uh, is going to be legalized for therapeutic purposes and uses. And I happen to believe, like, people argue all the positive effects of marijuana. I happen to think that right now, so I can't do this stuff personally. I'm instantly paranoid. I go to hell. I become everyone Marijuana. all at once forever in a deep, rotten, paranoid state, and I fall outside of time. It yeah. sucks for me, okay? Yeah. I'm just not wired. That's just not stuff. your plan. Mm-hmm. Now, 
in all the folks that I know, and there's a lot of very famous people that you and I know in common who are regular users of plant medicine, here's what it does. It removes the membrane and filters of reality. And so right now in a normal state, what I'll call normal, so that's a broad box. So if you're psychotic or experiencing psychosis, the filters that might get lifted with plant medicine just aren't there for psychotic people. They're literally seeing little green men. Yeah. I think it's entirely possible that there are ghosts and goblins and little fairies floating around us all the time. And when your filters are lifted and you can see them, they can experience you as well. It just, wouldn't it just make sense that we couldn't see, feel, experience a lot of stuff not that long ago? And uh, again, our measurement tools are expanding all the time. Yes. Stuff that was once magic. So And so is consciousness. Precisely. So there are layers. The the mystics before us, I we were in uh, Mexico. Miguel uh, San Miguel de Allende's uh, not long ago, and we went to some of the Mayan temples. And we were there with an archaeological archaeologist, anthropologist who'd been studying the ancients going back a couple thousand years. And they're Mayan derivatives, I believe, okay? I can't remember the exact history, but here's what he said. Right on the grounds we were at, they had measured 27 different plants that were medicinal and or hallucinogenic in nature. And the natives would spend, the priests, they began their journey of becoming priests four generations prior. So they were literally bred to be priests. Yeah. The, how what they were fed, the medicines they were given, and their, to increase their sensitivities, okay? So they had the ability to experience um, no time. They had the experience to cross the chasm. Where does creativity come from, okay? Look at Nintendo, okay? Mario, the <laughs> mushroom in Mario was <laughs> a, a psilocybin point. mushroom, okay? Yes, yes. And uh, I mean, there was a period of time when Steve Jobs said he'd never trust anyone who hadn't done acid, and I've heard that in, in Fortune 50 companies, they take people out to Burning Man and they'll do some sessions with them totally. and some journeys the Google. to see if they can actually gel You're together be a in business. Exec. Exact. You're going to go, you go through some... the fire with us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all the work with Stealing Fire, all the plant medicine books. Um, and I've had a lot of deep conversations with uh, the, many of the authors. Yeah. And also, again, I, I'd say high visibility, very famous people who you'd never think would be doing um, this deep work. And I just believe that as spiritual beings, plant medicine enables you to fall outside of this reality, this linear reality, this consciousness, this time frame, and see the future, experience the future. And potentially, maybe you can swap place, right? I mean, there. what if, again, there are an infinite number of possibilities planes simultaneously happening forever all at the same time, mm -hmm. okay? It just makes sense. You could ping pong between them. This is the theory behind Interstellar, the movie, and also Matrix Reloaded, the movie, where he sees the architect, and there's unlimited timelines of exact moments in unlimited yeah. fractals. These are not uncommon conversations. It's almost right? like we've been here before, Mike. All of us have been here before. And there's there's a sense of knowing within us that we have been here before. Right. And we're just not living up to our potential and how just truly divine and amazing and powerful that we really are. And I think the thing that blocks us all is different degrees of fear. 
I, I would agree. And, uh, you know, another way to separate this is I choose the flesh. This is beautiful because to me, I would, I don't want to be God. Okay. I don't want to experience no time. I don't want to experience everything all at once. You it know, sounds the lonely. Identities. Yeah. yeah, precisely. <laughs> it sounds lonely. I can't remember who it was. Mm. I was reading a book not long ago and that was his theory of, of God was um, that, you know, God experiences, knows everything. It's his consciousness and does not know where he or it came from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I can't remember which book it was. I'm tearing through about a dozen books right now. Cool. So, uh, but... Yeah, fascinating talk. So yeah. I really enjoyed this with you, Anna. To round this out, you know, I know you like to go really tactical. Sure. If there, if there was one tactical thing mm-hmm. that people listening, feeling this nuanced exploration of the cave where you came from, the building, you were vibrating. Yeah, we know about breath work as a tool. Yes, we've touched on plant medicine. But if you were to give something tactical for somebody who is in that headspace of, ah, I'm a victim to my monkey mind and I am looking for specific tools to be rather than to do. Is it the breath work? Is it something else? Like what does your day look like now since you've gone through the transformation? Mm -hmm. Well, there is no transformation. It's what, you know, chop wood, carry water, right? Um, After transformation. Yeah. You do the laundry. Yeah. That's what it is. (laughs) Clean your clothes. Here's what, here's one of the things I do. Yeah. I'm, I, I actually is sloppy today. I make the bed every single day for my wife as a gift. Okay, We put this in our M21 guide for Wellness Force. It's the first thing we have people do. Make your damn bed. Hell Uh, yeah. Why uh, is that? Why is that so important for you? Well, I do it because it makes my wife happy. So I, and I don't like cleaning up. It's not my nature, but I, um, I want her to know how special she is and how much I value her divinity. And also for her, she feels safe. So as a, as a male um, that desires polarity in my relationship because it's what makes us attractive to each other. Yeah, yeah. I know that her primary animal desire is to feel safe. So everything I do now, whether it's the tones and volume coming out of my voice, um, how I show up, how I move towards her, how I hold her, and how I treat our sacred environment. I spend my time living in the spiritual realm while I am with her and not in the physical. In other words, you and I are experiencing a, a, each other through sight and sound, and you know we shook hands mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. touch in this. I'm spending my time living in the spirit spiritual world always aware of it and how energetically my emotions that become energetic objects affect her and how my presence affects her and my son and those around me. So I think um, granularizing my attention to being present is what I'm focusing right now on in this in this current state. And again, thinking through that, how do I give glory to my creator by embracing the divine and, and divinity? And I want to pause here because I think people watching, listening are feeling like, ah, what Mike said might be too simple. Oh, what do you mean? Granular presence. What do you mean? Just make Mm -hmm, your bed. Like mm -hmm. sometimes these things can seem so 
almost like mundane or yeah. beginner. But yet the question remains like, are people actually doing them? Because I think everybody's hungry for intelligence. Every single day, yeah. And, and this is what we explore in the show, Mike, is, is this physical and emotional intelligence. Like, how do we live our life well, which is what's right behind you, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. through discovering this intelligence. And you've dropped some serious intelligence on us today. So thank you, man. Thank you for going through all these thresholds, being this beacon mm -hmm. of high frequency for all of us. I and mean, that's what drew me to you, this energetic component. So thank you. And please answer this question for me mm -hmm. at this intersection of physical and emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. the discovering process, which we're in. How do you define wellness? So in the middle of the physical and the emotional and the spiritual, what does wellness mean to Mike Koenigs? I think it's a holistic integration of body, spirit, relationship, conscious. It's, it's staying conscious, remaining conscious. I think when I had cancer, for example, it was because I fell out of consciousness and I became a slave to my emotions, my hatred, my anger, my unconsciousness. And that disease was basically bad energy that pooled into tumors and, you know, just about killed the host. And, and so the more time you're spending in a state of love and consciousness and giving in divinity, the purer you are. And, and, and the universe rewards that state of gratitude, especially when you learn to love yourself so much that you ask for what you desire and what you deserve, because you have exactly what you deserve right now all the time. I just got the biggest chill. I had a psych K session yesterday that was three hours. And the exact statement you said was in my session yesterday. Hmm. How's that for high frequency? Thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. pleasure. You. Yeah, All right. This was fun. Okay. Thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 300 world-class guests, we pulled together six simple yet powerful morning practices down into a 21-minute system guaranteed to increase your vibration and the way that you feel every day. Get this free powerful guide over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And if you love this show, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that you love or that you care about. You can support the show easily by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. Or if you're on your phone, just tap it, hit the link in purple that says review this podcast. And the journey does not stop here. We're continuing this discovering process in our private Facebook group over at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. You can be a part of it. You already are. All you have to do is join us at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. And I will welcome you at the door. Now go out into your life and live your life well. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.